and welcome to the My Hormones, My Health podcast. My name's Laura and I have PMDD. Come with me as I navigate my way through the highs, the lows and the lowers of all things relating to hormones and health. I can't promise that I'll have all the answers, but at the heart of everything I do, I'll be aiming to spread a message of hope that a life with hormone or health issues can be compatible with a life of joy. Welcome to episode four of the My Hormones, My Health podcast. Today I'm joined by Katie from Gwyneth in North Wales and she'll be telling us how PMDD affects her and those around her and we're also going to talk about the responsibility that society has on supporting women more. Before that, I just want to say a quick hello to anybody who's listening to the podcast for for the first time. Maybe you've just found out about PMDD. You may have seen the news story on the BBC about it. You might have seen my article that was shared by the Metro. Or you may have seen the post shared by my good friend, Star Trek's finest, George Takei. If you are new here, welcome and thank you so much for listening. I'm making it my mission to raise awareness of not just PMDD, but also taboo subjects like hormone issues, mental health and periods. So here's my chat with Katie. Hi Katie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me today. So we're going to jump straight in and I'd love to just hear a little bit about your your PMDD story really. So what was your first experience of, of PMDD? Um, so I, I think I was relatively quite young when I got my period. I was in year seven. Um, and just from chatting with my mom about the experience stuff, she was 21. So we were like polar opposites of when we kind of got our cycles, really. Um, but I didn't kind of notice anything initially, just just pains. But year seven, you just don't go there. You don't talk about it. It's so like, just never mention it to anyone ever. Um, and then I think when I was around 14, I noticed that they they were the pains and just the, the feelings I had were quite debilitating or quite, especially the moods would be the thing that really threw me off track. But I lost my dad when I was just before I was 15. So it all kind of got muddled in that really, um, you know, am I feeling like this? Because obviously something massive has just happened to me or... I never I just didn't link it I was probably too young to to make that connection um and then I went on the pill quite early I was 17 and I feel like I don't know if I was just busy or distracted but I feel like the pains were there and the the feeling of kind of sadness was there but I was doing like drama at college and universities I was like this is just me and who I am and kind of like buried it within this personality or my interests or just thought I was some sort of deep you know deep philosopher and thinker (laughs) but um and then I think when I um moved to North Wales so I was 28 then and I remember going to the doctors and thinking I have to see someone I have to sort this out I, I almost really wanted to be like in therapy I was like I just need some therapy um and I went to see the doctor and this amazing nurse she was so wonderful with me she was like so what are you interested in I was like well I like running I used to do half marathons at the time and stuff and she's like well just come running with me and she she just kind of like I shouldn't do this but let's go for a run so I just ended up going on this run with this nurse who was like way faster than me (laughs) and then 
was like, yeah, I'm not going on a run with her again because <laughs> she's too fat. And then I fell pregnant um, by surprise. And I guess, again, everything's been covered in that, like that experience and that level of journey. And then after Oshan, who is weirdly, he's two tomorrow. So it feels like a weird time to talk about this. But just before I had him, I was due back at the doctors to find out what's going on with my cycles because they were just, I could go like 28 days or 40 days with in between. It was so erratic. Um, so yeah, and then I fell pregnant. So just kind of didn't really look at it. But now I know that there's something deeper I feel like I get two two weeks off a month of and I call it my like buzzing off myself stage where I feel like wonderful and and then the ovulation starts and I can feel the the mood changes so yeah that's quite a long answer for you <laughs> but yeah I know no, it's great it's it's great and it, it, it's so relatable as well do you feel like the the better days are almost even better because you, you don't take them for granted because you know how bad the bad days are. Yeah, you've caught me at the end of my, I've just come off my period. So um, yeah, Monday and I just like, I'm just dancing in the car or yeah, yeah I do. And I feel like the energy I've got and everything is tied into it. Like I want to eat better. I want to make sure I exercise more. Um, build my relationships with my friends and family yeah gosh yeah it's so I guess when you were in the article that I read that you know when you'd kind of said how there was a misdiagnosis or a you know suspected bipolar it's not but then it's not that erratic happy it's just a a nice happy definitely um, yeah which we definitely deserve after kind of the two weeks (laughs) You know what, you're right, because sometimes I do think, is it normal to be this happy? Because I can feel so happy that I start to think, what if it is a high mm. and that's something different? But I actually think that it's just that in comparison to the harder days, it's a normal happy that just feels so much happier, if if that makes any sense at all. I don't know. Yeah. No, it um, does <laughs> entirely, completely. And sometimes the double-edged sword of that is... I'm quite a I just I love having the crack I love laughing and having fun and dancing and you know just all that kind of malarkey and I think the double-edged sword of that is people kind of question whether um is that still recording sorry just a notification came up sorry um okay so people question are you sure it's not just PMS because that's not you and they're like like doesn't know it feels deeper and then you kind of get in your own head and like is it just PMS is it this is it um but no I think it's okay to enjoy those lovely uppers if I should even use that terminology but we can yeah we can use that word yeah Yeah. (laughs) and I also thought it was really interesting what you said there about kind of you started to experience kind of PMDD as a teenager, but it, it blurred into to maybe grief for your, for your dad passing away. Mm. And then, of course, you had your pregnancy, which again would have blurred it. 
And and I know since I've been sharing my story, there have been a couple of comments where people have said, how do you not realize there's a pattern if you've had it since you're a teenager? But of course, if you think you've got other things happening that come into the mix, also things like pregnancy and contraceptives can to me- can mess up any patterns as well. Mm. So actually to identify a trend is, is actually really difficult, isn't it? Mm. And also people forget that you are yourself, which is when you're in it, you're so out of context. You yeah. cannot see it. Um, and honestly, genuinely, I think reading your article was so like, I said, didn't I, like a light switch just kind of came on and um, yeah, I think that's a huge misconception, but I understand why there's just, there's nothing out there about this. So you do, but you also pretend things and you, you try to bury things, especially with children involved. Like, you know, I have to kind of keep going for them and I'm very aware of, you know, I read so many things about how your behavior kind of can uh, disrupt your children's and if they see you in a certain way. But I also think you should be entirely honest about where you're at and explain your emotions. So I try to do that while still being like fun. <laughs> um, but yes, I think it's people just, I don't know why people question question it so much as if like it can't be a thing I don't know what that fascination is with it can't be that like oh you would have known I think people want something so obvious almost some sort of physicality to show something tangible Um, yes yeah and I think that's I think that's because we are in we're coming out of a phase that's hundreds and hundreds of years long of women's health being completely on the back burner um and yeah that's that's definitely hugely part of it and why people are just so unwilling to accept it plus nobody wants to talk about periods as as if it's like the worst thing ever so do you know what you're so right and I even think just like just when you say the word period you can almost feel somebody else's skin crawling thinking oh gosh the yeah. word period it's it's a dirty word or it's an uncomfortable word and actually periods are like the reason that there is humankind yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's as simple as that it is, yeah it's a bit of a bomb isn't it when you drop it and you think why am I like why do I feel so uncomfortable and I'm trying to say it really like I probably say it really over the top now just to get a response but um yeah, I'm trying to because it's important to use the correct language around things. All yeah. of this feeds into it, to, to all of it. Absolutely. And I read an article actually yesterday and it talked about the aisles in the supermarket and where you kind of have things like your, your sanitary towels and your tampons. It's called like feminine hygiene. And why don't they just call it like period products or tampons mm. you will yeah. never see those words in a supermarket because it's it's too uncomfortable yeah it's a really good point really good point it's madness and also we're probably like tucked away behind all the you know just hidden on the bottom shelves or yeah they so still, it's yeah it's weird but in some cultures like um it's quite a good metaphor to use because in some cultures they um 
maybe quite tribal. So, so the, the girls are kind of locked away in a cave when it's their period. But it's, it's kind of all to do with they believe that there's quite demonic things associated with it. And I just think, can, I cannot imagine the torture for a girl to be locked away in the dark. But also but if she's been brought up to believe that it's something demonic or, you know, something otherworldly, that must be absolutely terrifying. But then I think we can't be too... Um, we can't be too complacent and think we're okay here in the UK because yeah. we're not, we're in maybe a metaphorical cave because this, we still don't talk about it so openly. Um, yeah. So I think sometimes we look at other cultures and think, gosh, they're really doing it wrong, but we're not there yet either. I don't think we're in a place where we can say we've got it right. Are we no. definitely not in that place? No, definitely. So you have never actually been diagnosed with PMDD. No. This is going to sound like a really daft question, but how? How have you not been diagnosed? So I'm assuming, I mean, you've mentioned that you've been, you've been yeah. to the doctors. You've mm. obviously talked about your symptoms. Mm. What happens? So, so there was the occasion with the nurse, which I don't, <laughs> it was lovely. Just had a good run. Um, and then... Whenever I've seen, and I don't know whose responsibility it is, I feel like I don't want to blame myself because it's not. Mm-hmm. But I've maybe felt a bit worried about being so transparent about everything that's happening. Um, and I think, I don't know whether I just don't describe it very well to a doctor, but then there's kind of all of these like self-care you talked about self-care in the last podcast there's all of these ideas and theories and thoughts like go and do this or more exercise try eating this um and then they've talked again about contraceptives going going on that again but I didn't have a good time when I was on contraception and also again whether this is tied up in my mental health or because my dad died quite young of a heart attack and then I got high blood pressure when I was on one contraceptive I'm just so scared of that um so I I feel like is it my fault because I've ignored maybe they've said to to try this or um and then there's obviously been the pregnancies so they've they've kind of mentioned a couple of times with that that you know your hormonal imbalances and changes and how it takes a long time for for the body to go back to normal or um it could just be because because of that so I, I just don't know why I don't know whose responsibility it is why it's slipping through the net or if I've just been wary of kind of you know full disclosure because they seem to not understand it maybe I don't know is a diagnosis important to you yes and no I think knowing that there is a term and there is but I don't think that I think the cure is bigger than kind of the diagnosis I think the conversation is the cure and the awareness and the um yeah the understanding that you're not alone and you're not the only person who who goes through this um but I could be wrong in that as well. And what scares me at the moment is since having my son, the lows have been 
the worst I've ever experienced and um I'm scared that I'm maybe on the precipice of some something more drastic sometimes that that worries me um because when it's at its worst I, I can't I don't know I don't want to face friends I don't want to face family I I don't know I, I don't even know what how to describe it often so when I speak to the doctors this is how the conversation flows you know yeah um and then there's questions about oh do you think you know it's it's depression but that's just so so big but what I do know is I think I described to you in in my initial message I can feel every single part of my cycle I can I can feel when I'm ovulating I can feel the mood change uh, the physical side like how hot I get I don't sleep for a good four days sometimes like I can't sleep properly um my skin is quite scarred because I I just look in the mirror and I'm like oh god I'm just absolutely disgusting like I see like horrible skin that isn't necessarily there okay. um my boyfriend's like are you in that mirror picking again I'm like yeah but, but it feels like the only thing I can do control I don't know does that sound ridiculous not at all yeah. it, it it sounds like so many things that not just me but I think everybody listening is probably thinking oh yeah I get that yeah and that's the thing isn't it it, it might sound ridiculous to you right now because you're on what day seven of your cycle mm. but actually when you go today I don't know say 17 that's probably going to feel like you're normal for a little bit yeah yeah it's interesting, isn't it? Because we do kind of use labels and again, PMDD, it's a label and a diagnosis doesn't mean a cure. I think it's brilliant what you just said about the conversation is the cure. Mm. Um, because actually a diagnosis, will it change anything? Potentially, but it's never going to get you so far away from this place you can't feel it. Mm. It's never going to really take you away from PMDD. Yeah. That's really interesting. I think you get a little bit used to strategizing as well. Yeah. You hide it a little bit or just come up with your own ways. But again, I think what really resonated with me was when you were saying about you beat yourself up and go, I haven't done good enough in exercising, looking after myself. Like self-love, it's so great, but it's so Instagram wanky sometimes, (laughs) isn't it? Like, what do you mean? And like of course I have lovely baths or and it's really interesting because I've probably spoken to you the most candidly than I have with any of my friends or my family like we're so close me and my family but real nitty-gritty stuff like this makes me want to just shiver to death because I can't handle it with them I don't know why and my sister came to stay recently and I was ovulating and um we went for a drive and she was like, don't think she meant to upset me or, or knew what she was saying, but she was like, you just seem very negative. Like you seem like a negative person at the moment and that's not you. And I was like, I can't help, like I didn't say it, but in my head I was like, I can't help it. Like I can't help it. Um, and I just think self-love and, and all of that is, is another pressure sometimes. Because this is literally beyond, it feels beyond my control. And, and again, interestingly, 
I've had a lot of conversations lately. I keep saying, oh, I was having a conversation yeah. with this person. Um, so I was having a conversation with another person um, this week um, about a book that I was reading. And it's such an enlightening book. But at the same time, it kind of goes to extremes in that it says you must drink a, a liter of water as soon as you wake up, immediately when you wake up. And it says that you need to start thinking about these these habits with your food every day, every meal. And for me, that just makes me go, no, that's too much pressure. Mm. Even if the benefits were miraculous, I also know that for me, the impact would be actually that it puts too much pressure on me and it ends up being counterproductive. Yeah. And I think that's the same with a, a lot of strategies are kind of, you must do this or you must cut out that. And if they if they were concrete, if they were foolproof, they worked 100%, I might buy into them a little bit more. Mm. But I think for a lot of us, we have to be careful that actually what we're doing to try and make ourselves feel better doesn't actually make us end up, ended up feel worse. Mm. Um, it's so interesting that we even talk like social media. I sometimes wonder, does this perpetuate my symptoms as well? Because I see... Yeah, I see all of these motivational things from friends sometimes, really lovely, close friends. And I can't, I can't watch their stories when I'm in the thick of it. I become so bitter and angry or, um, yeah, like a, someone I don't recognise when, you know, when I'm kind of in that place. Mm-hmm. And I saw a friend on Saturday and I was just coming to the end of my period and um I was like oh thank god I'm coming to the end of my period she was like to the end she was like you were talking about this two weeks ago I was like I know but it starts for me two weeks ago <laughs> like this bit is the the light at the end of the tunnel the the other bit starts earlier and when I start hitting that phase that's when I'm like right I need to be off Instagram I, I, I need to not look at people's stories I need to because I feel like I'm getting it wrong. They're getting life right and I'm doing it all wrong. Um, but then you question, because I am not, I'm yet to have that diagnosis. I then question, is it that or is it that? You know, like it, it's a horrible state of flux. But I think seeing what you've done and hearing other people talking about it makes me feel more resolute to go back to the doctors and be like actually this is not good enough um I've told you this and yeah I mean that's but you know I'm I'm kind of on the buzz now aren't I so (laughs) maybe I'll go before ovulation starts but yeah I think there's so much pressure and pressure on women in society is just absolutely crazy so many expectations of us but I feel like we're being failed in so many areas and medicine is is one of them um you know without kind of drilling too much into statistics I think something like ridiculous like 2.5 percent of public funding is focused on women's health um and erectile dysfunction is is researched into so much like five times more and yeah, it affects 15%, but uh, the menstrual cycle affects 90% of women. Like, and it's not, it's not a tit for tat going like, 
I don't anyone look at your willy not working because I need to know about this it's like let's let's like balance it out a little bit because the disparities are just no good for anyone yeah no I totally agree I think you know it's it's not about us saying you know this is more important than that it's about saying you know what there should be a bit of a a level playing field Mm -hmm. and conditions that are do you know what a PMDD is a killer let's face it we know that, what is it, one in 20 women who have PMDD will attempt suicide. Suicidal ideation is a very real and common symptom. Mm. Yet you've just given that statistic of like ridiculous amounts of, of funding yeah. that just isn't going into it. Yeah, totally underfunded. But you have to look back historically at this and it's not a woe is me. I think women get, I'll, I'll tell you in a moment what my boyfriend kind of said. Um, the other day when we were talking about this and I was saying I was coming on here but I think we have to look back to hundreds of years medical boards when medical research was happening it was just men it's designed by men for men um and it's almost like the woman's body is solely for just reproduction so let's just leave them to do that and let's yeah. not focus on on anything else but I was talking to my boyfriend about this and when we had a conversation I was like what what differences do you see in me like can you see the difference and he was like I don't think he meant to say it like this but he was like well only because you complain about it and I was like we were talking today about the word complain and I was like that word is like such bad connotations and so attached to women when they try to get answers and help if a man was to talk about what was going on with them medically you know they would be pioneering or empowering or brave yeah brave whereas I'm and that's my you know that's my boyfriend who is so understanding and tolerant and has held me at my worst you know and um he's very forward thinking but I don't blame him I think the, the stuff that society tells you seeps in it just and we're we're moving slowly to something better, I hope. Um, but yeah, it's it does. It's it's a a crazy thing, and the effect even on your relationship, even when you're both very understanding, liberal people. Yeah, yeah. And I think even even as women, we're probably not getting it right. I mean, I I would always have said. Yeah, I'm a feminist. I believe in equal rights for women. Mm. But actually, the way that I've been conditioned by my family, by wider society, probably means that I've not been acting in the best way that I should have done for women. Mm. And it's only now, the more I'm I'm talking about it, as, as you said earlier, we talk about it, we talk about it. Eventually, change is going to happen because our attitudes change. And I just think, oh my God, like I'm learning so much about things that I've probably not done in the best interests of, of myself or the best interests of women just because of how I've conditioned. So to a, to a point, I kind of think it's, it's not an, always an individual's fault, is it? But at the same time. Yeah, it, there, I think that's it. It's about understanding where um, responsibility lies and it's not as black and white as you and you. Yeah. It, the answer is probably everyone has a responsibility, but I think it's interesting you saying about 
potentially felt like a bad feminist but what even is that it's like yeah it's a really there's no such there's no such thing as a bad feminist there's a really good podcast called the guilty feminist I don't know if you've heard it but they they're a bunch of comedians and um they always start with the line I'm a feminist but I really like it when my boyfriend pays for the meal like just really <laughs> things like that and like being a feminist is just wanting for me is just wanting equality it doesn't mean I'm yeah. going to be perfect or yeah. I think women are better but even though we are a little bit <laughs> <laughs> there we go <laughs> well, me, me and my husband were saying the exact same thing the other day because I think he was kind of saying well am I a feminist what is a feminist and I, I said you are a feminist you, you might not realize it but if you want just equality for women and men then that that's feminism yeah I think when people hear the word feminism they still think of like burning their bras and and doing all, all those things from like many many years ago that maybe isn't the case now I don't I mean it's not something I've ever done but yeah. I think yeah. feminism is is definitely changed and grown mm. um well, they're talking about fourth fourth wave feminism yeah. now. Um, but I remember someone, again, the comedian, I do watch a lot of comedy, but she was saying that um, for working class women, they don't talk about feminism because they just are, like, they've just got shit sorted. Like, they just, they like, I, I'm living and breathing it. I don't have to say I am one because I am one, you know. Yeah. And potentially a single mother, a low earner, not to kind of, generalize and stereotype but they're just like I'm I am one like I don't need to say it but all of this and empowering women is is so important for things like this as well because we feel like we can't talk about it or we're just hushed we're just never gonna to move forward and um yeah, it's, I've been guilty of it. Like when I said to you, was saying about how I've been at the doctors, have I felt like, oh gosh, I better not say about like my period or how heavy it was or the, the pains I like, better not talk about that or how sometimes I feel like I can't leave the house because it's just, you know, I'm a mother, I should be working hard and working solidly. Like it's horrible what we do to ourselves, but it isn't. It equally isn't our fault. Absolutely, definitely. And, and you mentioned earlier about kind of your family and the children, and something you said it, it just interested me a little bit. You you said you kind of you you try to talk about how you're feeling at the same time trying to be. I think you said it kind of you know really positive and and happy. What what kind of conversations do you have then? So do they know that mummy feels poorly sometimes? Oh. My boy's only what? Well, he's two tomorrow, so I guess I don't know how much of it he notices. Um, my daughter. Do you know what worries me about my daughter? And um, I mentioned my mum earlier in her cycle because I think the suggestions that it it could be genetic or. So my mum was twenty, yeah, twenty one when she got hers. And she's only mentioned it a couple of times, but I know her cycles were really bad. And she told me a couple of times she blacked out and fainted. Um, and I, I mean, she's five. So everything is freaking drama, like, like naught to 60. <laughs> but I'm so scared that that's her cycle. Um, like 
could this be her hormonal cycle? You know, could it be this early that it's manifesting? I wish there was data and research that talks about that. How young can you can you see it? So I try to tell her that. Um, I always try to tell her that whatever she's feeling is okay because it is. And there's no point in kind of, I'm not, oh my God, I'm not always perfect. I like, sometimes I'm just like, stop crying, like, which is so irrational. Like, okay, then I'll just stop crying. But I, so I'm not always perfect. I'm a work in progress as a mother. I definitely am. But I want to reiterate that to her, like, whatever you feel is, is right for this moment and you won't feel it forever. So, and try and like, just hug her, like, I think we are very primate in that I read when you know children are at their worst or spiraling they just need hugging and I was like I think sometimes I feel like that yeah um just it's the most simplest thing that and Jonathan's not much of a hugger so (laughs) in my worst times I'm just like yeah come on (laughs) it's funny isn't it I guess your daughter is almost like if you could go back and, and give yourself some advice at a younger age, you've almost yeah. like you can now prepare your daughter for the world that she might be living in with mm. a condition that, that her mum has. Mm. And actually, that's in a way quite a, a positive thing, if that's the right word, yeah. in that you yeah. can prepare her in ways that maybe you weren't able to be prepared. Yeah. What, what were your teacher? as she grows older and, and she matures? Well, I keep teaching her about her, like, this is a really practical thing, but so say, like, I'm tickling her or something, and she's like, stop it, ma'am. I'll stop it because that's teaching her ownership of her own body. But by her knowing that, she can own how her own body works as well, yeah. if that makes sense, and recognise that, um yeah it's my body I want to understand it in a way I still don't even I you know I was saying to you I can't even tell you all the part like label all my parts properly and like again work in progress like we we call her vulva bitty wits because she's five and <laughs> mine was a tushy mary I think my friend's <laughs> was a flower um all these euphemisms but like a, the word vulva from a five-year-old feels really, like, just really, but I it's mean, right. I guess. <laughs> but would you expect her to know all of the parts of her foot? You wouldn't, would you? You wouldn't say like, no, this is the Achilles foot. and, you know, so I kind of get why you don't really want her to say, or don't I need her to say vulva. Know, but I think it's important, like, yeah. I think it's because your foot isn't going to make you feel like, in the worst place ever for you know what I mean or even if it's not as extreme as what I experienced yeah but um it's so important and education is the key it is but for my daughter and my son and I, I was really lucky in year five I did have the best sex education like it was it was really amazing and I'm very grateful for that obviously didn't listen to the labeling (laughs) but it taught me to respect my body I guess and I've always had that awareness but yeah and I think what worries me about so I came across your article I worry about like diagnosis through algorithm you know through like 
what you read like I might never have kind of arrived or felt like I wanted to go and say to the doctor I think it's this you know unless I'd read that you had you know but I worry about the most vulnerable and marginalized in society because they might not have access to that and I don't mean this in a an awful way but you know the more you read or the more you're kind of I do think algorithms will align with you and there's there's a there's a class system in understanding women's health as well um and I worry for for vulnerable women who might never access or might never understand that because just society isn't tailoring it for them or making it accessible um and that sounds really like because I read books I um basically I don't mean it to, to sound like that I mean I just I just worry that you know statistically like black women are more likely to die in childbirth in the UK and yet um you know we kind of we ignore whole sections of society and they everybody needs to be captured in this and it has to start at a young age it has to start in school we have to talk about periods we have to talk about periods um and it can't be like you were saying it can't be a school decision and I think my point in that was so if there's a cultural you know a a school that's kind of the culture is not necessarily talk about that sort of thing the decision is shouldn't really maybe be left with with that school it should be mandatory because then these girls will hear about it and boys absolutely I think you 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 raised a good point because I know when I and I um put on kind of Instagram and Facebook that I was looking for people to come on the podcast and talk about their experiences. I mean, as far as I can see, 90% of the people that got back to me were kind of white, middle-aged women. Mm. And I really want, (laughs) I I really want, um, I want to be able to speak to kind of women who are homeless, but they're not going to be on Instagram scrolling Insta looking for PMDD because they probably don't even have access to the internet. They don't even have anywhere to live. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine not just having PMDD or having any kind of hormonal issue, mental issue, any any slight issue with, I mean, even just having a period mm. and being homeless. Oh, yeah. yeah. Can you imagine, no, I, I mean, you said earlier about being a hugger, having no one to hug you when you're in the, the depths of despair that PMDD brings. Mm-hmm. And it's something that's quite, on my mind at the moment that I want this podcast to be a platform for voices who maybe have never had the the courage to talk before or maybe who have talked but for whatever reason their voice hasn't been heard Mm. and it it occurs to me that actually it's not enough for me to say hey does anyone want to come on my podcast I almost need to reframe that and, and actually go and find those people myself rather than seeing if they come to me but you know like at least just starting it you're doing you're starting it and all of these things have to start somewhere um but I think there's a responsibility on media um how we capture capture young people and I think that they're so savvy millennials as well and they're so ahead of it all like 
Again, I was talking to Jonathan, a power comedian, who was from North Wales, actually, and she's brilliant. And she did a BBC three, like a BBC short, like a comedy sketch. And basically, I think she said in another podcast that it was the first time the BBC had shown a sanitary towel with blood on it. Like that was kind of the punchline, which sounds ridiculous, but it's, but I thought if I'd have seen that in school, that would have stayed with me more and normalized periods more than you know a conservative government's education manifesto where it's so stiff and not like approachable at all and um it's it's how we kind of how we use media to to kind of get the message across as well um but I think the fact that you're you're reaching out and talking to people and this, you should be like really proud of yourself because it's 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 a start, isn't it? Thank you. Thank yeah. You and that. you've got George on side from uh, is it Star Trek? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. George Tikea. I learned how to pronounce his name before, just in yeah. case he rings me or anything. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, he's got like 10 million followers on Facebook. So I think, wow, yeah. that's amazing advocacy. And also just the fact that he's male, I just yeah. think just really does help. So I'm made up. Yeah. Like, I couldn't sleep last night because I was so made up with that <laughs> um, so what would you say then PMDD and just hormones in general have taught you about yourself then oh god <laughs> um oh sorry your boyfriend's gonna have to really edit my huffing it's such a big question because I feel like I'm still I don't know like maybe I'll ask you this at the end because I feel like I'm still not sorted I feel like it's something I'm gonna have to just is anyone sorted though really well yeah what does that even mean but it's difficult because I think I guess the positive side like you said when I feel good I feel really good it's taught me that is when I feel like I'm spiraling and it doesn't nothing feels good or I don't know what I'm feeling and I can't rationalize this is this is your cycle this is what this is mm-hmm. um I feel like I'm t- I that's too much in my head to kind of have a, a clear answer on on what it does for me but maybe it's resilience maybe it's compassion because I I genuinely don't want to feel like this but in a way that like alone in it yeah. um it makes me sometimes as well like makes me really fired up to advocate change and um just sort some stuff out like that's yeah you know there's there's a great book um oh gosh I'm so terrible at her pronunciation um Chimi Chimona Ngozi Adichie you know that we should all be feminists it's an essay in a very small book but that's given out to children um in the Scandi countries and she, the thing that from that book that sticks in my mind is um, society makes culture. Culture does not make society. And I think that this teaches me that, like, this doesn't have to be the, the status quo. We can change it. We can talk more about periods. So maybe that is the answer. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I don't think you would have heard yet. 
but episode three of the podcast um went out today so you probably haven't heard it but on that I was talking to to Rachel who was on and we kind of said like maybe PMDD does have a purpose I feel like for me it's given me a purpose maybe for you it's kind of firing up something about society and and Mm. making change and actually would we still have these passions if we didn't have these issues with our hormones Mm. Mm. and it's very interesting to think actually how PMDD does shape us in a more dare I say a positive way yeah so what what are your hopes for the future then well I think like just touch on what you said about PMDD and the hormones and to feel something so acutely and be so sensitive is not always a weakness and maybe my hopes are to recognize and shift my mindset into like that I'm really strong because of my sensitivities and my reactions to chemical hormones or yeah. maybe it's that and maybe something you know strong can can come out of it and we can reframe our thinking as society and remember that showing compassion and vulnerability are real strengths rather than rather than what they've you know been known as historically absolutely um and I don't know if you're gonna hate me for asking this question but something that you you mentioned earlier on was about how you struggle to talk to your friends and your family and I like to think that they'll listen to this episode of the podcast because you're on it I hope so but well if there was one thing that you would want them to know about you what would it be I'm still really good fun (laughs) (laughs) yes you are Um, I don't know maybe I'm sorry that I've never talked about it as much maybe it's that I don't know why I'm embarrassed I don't know I shouldn't be um but yeah just that like it it isn't a defining feature there's so much more going on um and I'm not just being dramatic maybe (laughs) they wouldn't think I've got the loveliest friend it's just very hard to open up and kind of say these things isn't it and you know what it's so interesting because I know that um my friends are are listening to my podcasts and every time somebody I know says to me oh I listen to your podcast I go oh my god (laughs) because I just think wow that's really weird but actually in a way it's it's an easier way to communicate how we're feeling when it's almost less personal because it's so so deep so it's exposing isn't it and I think at the very least we should be proud of ourselves for that um there's real strength in opening yourself up and also um it it's it's hope for other people isn't it and to make them feel less alone in it I would say so definitely and uh, something that was said to me earlier on today is um you might have PMDD but PMDD does not have you yeah. And just going back to what you said before about I'm still fun, I'm not meaning to be dramatic. <laughs> PMDD isn't your personality. Yeah. yeah. It's so important we remember that, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much for coming on oh, and, and talking you. to me on today's episode. I think it's been so enlightening and yeah. so inspiring for so many people, whether they've had a diagnosis or not. 
people I know that are having similar thoughts about being mums, being parents and and the impact it's going to have on their children and also worrying about if this is going to have an impact on on their children directly as well in their future. So I think you've probably helped a lot of people today. So really, thank you so much, Katie, for coming. No, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for even sharing your story and starting the conversation. Let's keep it going. If you want more information about anything that Katie and I have talked about today, then do log on to the IAPMD website. You can also join and follow WEN Wales, which is the Women's Equality Network for Wales. And for further reading, the book that Katie mentioned is called We Should All Be Feminists by Chimanda Adichie. Next time, I'm going to be joined by Catherine and we're going to be talking all about her experiences of PMDD and postnatal depression. Thanks again for listening. I hope you found today's episode to be enlightening and inspiring. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast so we can keep spreading our message further.